and I was so mad I went to go watch the Clipper game, which Dave knows is like the ultimate sign of I I will sit there and I will watch as much as I've referenced it as like a traumatic experience. When the Packers lost that NFC Championship game to Seattle, and this is not an exaggeration, I literally banged my head against my coffee table out of frustration and anger with the stupidity that was on display in that game. But I watched that game to the bitter end. I will watch my team get destroyed to the bitter end. I watched them get destroyed by Colin Kaepernick back when he was an NFL quarterback. I watched them lose to that in the playoffs. I watched them get destroy i watched them give up 50 points to the cardinals in overtime in the playoffs i have watched one horrific packer defeat after another in the playoffs watched one after another and watch it to the bitter end and watching them get destroyed by the san francisco 49ers this year in a regular season game was a bridge too far and led me to watch nba regular season basketball which i do not do <laughs> that's how you know you're in trouble You are listening to episode 35 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics and other things they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate timeline and hastily thrown together format. Brought to you this week by Bad Scheduling and Randomness. Because we're good at scheduling, not, and randomness, we are good at. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. Randomness is what we do, man. Literally, it is what we do. So that right, and report and that and recording lost episodes, which may or may never ever see the light of day. Absolutely, this is take three of episode thirty-five. Part of the reason for that is uh, is actually what I wanted to address right off the top. There's been a little bit of inconsistency as far as the uploading of the of the podcast the last little while, and I want to kind of resolve that. And David and I had a little bit of a chat about it. And part of the problem I think is that the we came into it with the idea thirty-five episodes in, we came into it with the idea of wanting to talk about sports, which frankly we still do. And we still intend to. But I really wanted to embrace the unnecessary nonsense part of it. Because the truth is, when you're trying to talk about sports, you can do it. No problem. But the reality is, if you end up talking about sports, you're in a a very crowded marketplace with a lot of other podcasts that talk about sports as well. But they have the one advantage where I think they have a dedicated editor. Where unfortunately we don't. Unfortunately we have me. Which means whatever length of time that our podcast goes, I have to edit it and replay it over and over again which is not exactly my line of work. However, the reality is by the time I get around to editing it, if we're talking about something that's going to happen Sunday and I upload the podcast on Tuesday, it's already dated by the time you even hit play. And that's not not something we wanted to do. That doesn't mean we're not going to talk about stuff, but we're going to acknowledge the passage of time. We're going to do a little bit less time lording and a little bit more acknowledging it. Plus, I want to talk about other sports adjacent stuff, plus things that are going on. It's a little bit more fun that way. And it also means that it'll... There'll be some more stuff that'll be a little more pertinent. Some of it you may be interested in, some of it not, but we'll see. But there will always be at the core of everything a sports element because, frankly, that's really what the whole thing started with. Does that sound fair? It does. Good stuff. So with that said, I got my drink. Dave's got his drink. Let's get into some episode 35. So we do have a couple of news and notes related to it. And one of the wonderful things, and I'll include the link in the show notes, which so we're back to good old-fashioned show notes with a couple of links. It won't be a lot, but there is a couple of links in there. Dave uh, brought in from Bar Down from TSN, there was a monstrosity, a, a beast, a horror that was to the visual eyes of a P.K. Subban, you know, kind of merged jersey thing. I have some thoughts about this, but do you want to lead it off by explaining what happened there? Well, yeah, so you know, as I think the listeners do as well, that I'm a huge P.K. Subban fan. 
That is a fact. I don't know about that. I, uh, a real P.K. Subban fan would follow him to New Jersey or his 87th team, whatever that is, or, you know, a team in the KHL or wherever P.K. Subban ends up next. Fair enough. Actually, you know what? If you went to the KHL, I would probably get a P.K. Subban KHL jersey. You, as you should, frankly. Because uh, I don't okay. have one and I don't follow the KHL. So, hey, if you I, want to get people like me into the KHL, that's how you do it. At that point, you would get the KHL streaming package. And if not, I would make you. So here's the thing. I don't have a huge issue most of the time with people who decide to, like, take two jerseys, cut them in half, and sew them together. I do. It's stupid. Oh. But I mean, I don't – well, I think it's dumb. I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think it's – I don't think it looks good, but I don't have an issue with it. But what I do have is an issue with this guy who combined three jerseys together and did not do it well. So he's taken a National Predators jersey, a Montreal Canadiens jersey, and a uh, New Jersey Devils jersey, which is the three teams that P.K. Subban has played for. Now, I would love to if he actually also mashed in a Hamilton Bulldogs jersey just for good measure for his AHL team that he played on. And hey, why not like get some OHL? You know, if you're going all the way, you might as well go for his like his, you know, junior A team too. But I digress. It looks probably the worst example of a jersey that I've ever seen that's done this. And the reason is, is not because it's, it's, you know, got parts of each jersey. It's because it almost has too much of every jersey. And therefore it's like, what's the point and you know if you can clearly like you have the predator logo like fully i think you have the new jersey devils logo you have part of the c it just i don't know it it's a failed attempt at this where you know most things at that combining jerseys are failed attempts i think one of the keys is and by the way as we describe this jersey the best thing to do i would say is to click that link if you can you know in whatever podcast format you're doing if you're able to click the link that we include in the show notes because it'll help being able to visually see it will really help you know hammer home the point that we're trying to make i think the biggest mistake in this i've seen the dual jersey done well even though i don't think it's a good idea i think it's kind of dumb i think you can pull off the two when you try to bring in the third, I think he basically just slapped a New Jersey Devil logo at the bottom. Like it, like there was, it, it was almost like a, a afterthought. It was haphazard at best. And like, if we want to get from a quote unquote artistic standpoint, it's just dumb as hell. That's really what it came down to. It was just silly. Yeah, uh, I think one of the funny things though is that the guy who did it is very clearly proud of what he's created. Oh yes. Listen, if you're going to create something truly heinous and hideous, an abomination, something that should never be seen by human beings' eyes, I, you, be, you better be proud of it because uh, you, you put it on social media for people to watch, to look at, ridicule. Um, it's it's just bad. And, uh, you know, whatever. It, at least it's passionate, you know. At least I can say comfortably he's a bigger Pikachu band fan than other members of this podcast. You know, I like when we decided we were going to talk about this, I didn't realize it was going to turn into you dissing me because of my my abandoning of P.K. Subban. I, I, I love that you were about to say alleged fandom of P.K. Subban. Even you, secretly, deep down inside, are like, ah, it's debatable, question no, man, mark. I loved P.K. when he was with the Hamilton Bulldogs. That's where I first became P.K. fan. I loved P.K. when he was with Montreal, and I loved him when he was with Nashville. But I've never been a fan of New Jersey. And for some reason, I just I just couldn't do it. I still like BK Subban, but I'm not getting a Devils jersey. I have a I have a Canadiens jersey, I have a Nashville Predators jersey, 
but I'm not, I'm not doing it in New Jersey. I'm just not. Unless, of course, you somehow convince me to or I get one at the card show. But that's another story. No, you, you, ha- you, ha- you have to do it. Uh, the, this hey, actually, if the guy at the card show is selling PK Serbian jerseys the next time I go, that's another conversation. We'll make, we'll make this happen because it's the right thing to do. I, I have actually been kind of lazy and tardy about this. Now, mind you, I think part of the problem, um, because I'll say I have uh, I, I collect Mike Medano memorabilia and cards and all kinds of things. And the thing is, from my perspective, I've got a Mike Medano 2000 All-Star jersey, which I bought many years ago. And I've got, um, you know, a Dallas jersey, obviously, autographed. And I have the uh, the 2000 All-Star one I didn't get autographed, but it would have been pretty sweet if I did. But I also had a Minnesota North Stars Medano jersey, which I also have autographed. I got that autographed in person, which is pretty sweet. But the thing is, I've gone through a bunch of different ones that I have. Now, in fairness, I think part of the problem is that I don't wear the jerseys anymore. Like, the 2000 All-Star one was probably the one that I wore the most. It's to the point that you know how uh, you know how like if you wear a, a jersey or a shirt that has like a white collar. If uh, the problem with hockey jerseys is you don't throw them in the wash, and this is just a separate conversation. It's hard because I don't think you really throw them into the wash the same way you throw other pieces of clothes. So yeah, true. so like the collar is very clearly sh- the collar on that jersey no- shows you that I've worn it in the past. So it's one of those things where I would I probably wouldn't wear it again because I don't know if it would fit well anywhere anyway. But if I did anything with it, I'd probably just give it a little bit of a wash, a little bit of a clean, and that would be one that I'd love to get autographed too. I don't have a display for it, but I guarantee you at some point if I ever make room in this office, I'm going to have a Minnesota North Stars Medana jersey autographed, which I have. I will have that on display. I will have my Dallas Stars Medano jersey autographed on display. And if I can swing it, I'll get that 2000 All-Star Medano jersey autographed on display. And that'll be a hell of a display right there with the three jerseys. But with all that said... One of the things that I do have in my office is a 16 by 20 picture of Medano that's in a frame, and it's with the Detroit Red Wings. Because I'll acknowledge that year, even though it was one year in the man's career, I'll still acknowledge it because it was part of the whole thing. And it kind of offsets some of the other stuff that I've got because I got plenty of Dallas Star stuff. I got plenty of Minnesota North Star stuff. But it's part of the career, man. If you follow the player, I think I think you follow the player. You don't have to cheer for the team. I didn't cheer for Detroit, but I still cheered for Medano while he played for Detroit. No, I think that's fair. And you know, I, it's quite possible that some autographed PK Subban item from the New Jersey Devils may make its way into my life in the not too distant future. Now, on an unrelated note, uh, kind of a question: uh, What's the status of you in Cuban PK Subban? Is you know, is the is the love affair with that guy over with completely now that he's no longer a Dodger? Speaking of uh, Yasul Puig, you know what? I mean, the love affair started to wane while he was still a Dodger. Uh, you know, I I still follow him on Instagram. In fairness, the problem is he's just not very good. Like, well, that's see, I think that's a thing, right? Like, he's actually not good at baseball. Like if he if he had been a better baseball player, you know, played harder, et cetera, et cetera, not struck out billions of times. You know, um, you know, not not hustled to first base, overran first base too many times. You know, try to steal when he had no business, kind of stealing, trying to stretch a double into a triple and get you know all these types of things that he does. Maybe, but I I felt like he combined the the arrogance of an of an Acuna of an Acuna with the arrogance of like a Manny Ramirez, but with like half the talent of either one of them. Yeah, I think that's kind of fair. Yeah, and the problem the problem is the last part, the half the talent of you, you, Manny Ramirez could afford to be a flake because he hit forty home runs and and get one hundred and thirty RBIs and and hit like three hundred. The dude could rake, and so. Yeah, I've, the problem that's so frustrating about the whole thing, though, is that 
you know, he looked like he was going to have that kind of talent. And I feel he's squandered an opportunity that he had because his head just wasn't in it enough. I think he was just too worried about like everything that related except playing the game of baseball at that high level. And it's not like he had no talent. Like I, I, I know it sounds like I'm saying the guy sucked, but he didn't. But the problem is he was like a 25, not quite 30 home run guy. And at that point, like in the, in the modern game, like that's okay. It's there. There's, there's a, there's a place in the game of baseball for guys no, like absolutely. that. Absolutely. I mean, he's going to have a, a decent career in the sense that it's uh, in terms of longevity and in terms of money made. But what's you know been his downfall is that f- to be able to put up with all the crap that comes with him, he's not good enough to do that. And B, f- and up to this point, he's been a real bust in the postseason too. Yeah. And it's one of those things where uh, players like that will always struggle because they're going to have to fight their own narrative. And now he's on his uh, second team, third team now? On oh, second team. Yeah. No, sorry, third team. You're right, right. Because he went from, so he was he drafted by the, well, signed by the Dodgers. Yeah. Out of Cuba. Then played with the Dodgers. Then went to the Reds. And then got traded from the Reds to Cleveland. Yes, yes, Cleveland. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's. but Cleveland, where careers go to die. See Odell Beckham Jr. It's yeah. Uh, that's that's a discussion. That, that 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 is a discussion. Yes, yes, correct. We'll we'll, we'll see about that one. Okay. Anything else you want to do about this uh, PK Swim fan created? To be honest, I've I've gotten my shots in already. I feel good. I, quite frankly, I think we've given it more time than it actually deserved. But it led to a beautiful discussion on your PK Swim fandom. I have expectations. I expect some Jersey swag somewhere in there. Hey, they don't call it unnecessary nonsense for nothing. Yes. All right. Enough of that. So let's talk about something far infinitely, infinitely infinitely more important than P.K. Subban. Infinitely more important than Puig. Infinitely. The XFL? Let's talk about the XFL. It's so beautiful. Are we going to talk uniforms, Carlos? Please let's talk, tell me we're going to talk uniforms. Let's talk some uniforms. But before we do, I want to talk about the football. So I put in a, I put in the link in the description for the little hype video for the football. It was hilarious to me. It's not long. It's like two minutes long. So if any of you want to check it out, it's literally like two minutes. It's not. It's a, a well made video too. It I is a well made video. It. it is a well made video. That's why I say it's a hype video for the football. I will say that I like the fact that the football is tailored to the individual team. So the home team will have their own version of the XFL football based on a certain standard. That's fine. I actually, I have no issue with that. It's not the cool black and red football of the first XFL, which I have one. So the, which frankly are sweet and I'll probably get one of these because quite frankly, I love getting swag like that from defunct football leagues. I know the XFL hasn't quite officially started the next version of it, but like I said, I like having swag. Even, it, Carlos, it hasn't even begun yet and you're already calling it. Defunct. So like I said, I like having swag of defunct football leagues. It's kind of fun for me. I, I kind of enjoy that. Listen, oh uh, we'll see what happens. But the thing is, it, it, it's going to be tough. It's going to be an uphill battle. And I, I, I don't think Vince McMahon is not exactly uh, is not exactly hitting bombs right now. He's struggling with his own product in his lane that he traditionally has been good at. So we'll see if he allowed the football people to have their way. I will say that the hype video in question um, is encouraging because it feels like they at least put some proper thought process into it. They brought in one of the quarterbacks to throw the football around and get and give feedback and give um, a little bit of discussion because it's going to be important. The quarterbacks, you're not getting the best of the best. So at the very least, if they can grip the football and throw the football and maybe the, and the wide receivers can catch the ball properly, anything you can do that doesn't hinder the players, you don't want the equipment to stand in the way. 
So if the ball itself is fine. But the thing is, there's only so much you can do. The hype video was amusing to me only because it's like, guys, it's a football. Unless the football sucks, we shouldn't be talking about the football. I'm going to get one just because I like the kind of memorabilia. But outside of that, there's already a little bit too much discussion about something that's simple. However, like I said, I like the little design, the little touch of each team having their own. It's kind of cool. I think that's I think that's interesting. Yeah, well, but you know, it's it's just trying to promote the league, right? It's a great branding thing. Like, it's actually a really cool branding thing. Um, and it stands out from a couple of the other leagues because the arena football didn't have like a uh, separate balls for each team. The CFL doesn't have that. The NFL doesn't have that. You know, and even the AAF when they had their brief run, I'd love. I have to see if I can get my hands on an AAF football, assuming any of those exist still. Um, but the thing is that none of them tried that, so that's kind of cool. And that's where I think Vince's uh, mind for marketing does come into play a little bit because it is distinct. It is something different. That's cool. But let's talk about some uniforms, though, because uh, now that now we've gotten into the realm of swag. So now the question is, we had, you know, the team nicknames, the basic logos. So now it becomes, how does that translate into swag? How does that translate into jerseys and helmets and all that? Have you had the chance to see any of that stuff? Yeah. Uh, you know, for the most part, I like it. There's a there's a few question marks. I mean, it's nothing spectacular. It's really just colors. You know, in I think terms it was always gonna, it was always going to be really simple. I don't think they were going to try to reinvent the wheel. You know, and we know we already know what because as a previous podcast we talked about when they came out with the logos. You know, so the logos are on the helmets, and and that's good. Uh, you know, I think they're fairly generic. I like the colors. The only thing that, that really stands out for me, two things, I guess I would say. One, I feel like the Seattle green, I just kind of feel fits with Seattle for some reason. Even though right now I'm looking at it and the more I think about it, now I'm starting to think that it looks like a, the Oakland A's made football jerseys. I was, so, I was thinking Oregon Ducks. I Yeah, that too. So I may, I may, I'm actually going to retract my first thought. Uh, it looks too much like the Oregon Ducks. The other thing is, and this is the thing that gets me most in this is the Dallas jersey. For whatever reason, to me, it 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 one it kind of looks like a Carolina Panthers jersey, but also when you see like the full person standing with the helmet and everything, it feels more Houston. Like it it reminds me more of like the Houston Oilers than anything from Dallas. And I would think that would be an issue given, a, you know, the Dallas-Houston rivalry in I was terms gonna, of the I was city gonna, rivalry. I was going to say, doesn't it feel like almost like a variation? Wouldn't this be like a color rush jersey for the Tennessee Titans? I could see that. Yeah, because it's got like the, the blue, very similar to Tennessee. Which... If it didn't have the black, like if, you know what I mean? If it was almost like the blue and the and the black were reversed. So that's why I'm saying color rush. Uh, so I'm thinking Well, like... technically, I mean, you know what? I would say about half these jerseys. Maybe maybe six out of eight that you could say that, you know, if you told me this is so-and-so's color rush, you know, like that that one, what the heck is it? I can't, so what I'm looking at, sorry here, because that image is not the best for me. Uh, where are we? But I, I would I'm think just like. Using the, I'm using the shop site from the XFL because they've got an image of the players with all the jerseys. It's actually really helpful. All right. I had a, th- a logo. Uh, but anyway, my point is, is if you said, Hey, that's a 49ers color rush. Okay. The roughnecks looks yeah, the like defenders. Be... You're thinking the defenders. 
Yeah, the defender, or it could be an Arizona Cardinals color rush, just like the the other uh, the um, Roughnecks could also be a a color rush for you know any NFL team that is predominantly red. Be honest with you though, to one thing I will mention, and like I said, you know we're not going to harp on this too long, but it is interesting since it, right now right now uh, the XFL hasn't really gotten going yet. We got to wait for basically the Super Bowl to end, and then you know the XFL kind of kicking underway. And obviously they've got a lot of network coverage, so I'm going to check it out. There's no question we're going to talk about it more as we go along. I will say though one more thing about these jer- these uniforms, these jerseys. Even though uh, I will randomly back the Dallas team, given you know the choices at hand. Um, you know, playing off it's my, the right thing to do. Yeah, playing off my Dallas Star fandom. I will say though, as a jersey, I would probably buy the LA Wildcats. But here's a question: Can you guess why? Looking why at the you LA would, Wildcats. Why you would go LA as opposed to something else? Specifically, the LA Wildcats. I need you to look at that jersey and give it a thought for a second, and you tell me why you think I would I would look at that jersey. Because it looks like a color rush for the ASU? No, I was thinking more along the lines of it looks similar. It's not exactly the same. It's very Guelphish. Yeah, those are Guelph. That. Those are Guelph Griffin colors. I could see that. Yeah, between the between the color, if you look at the numbers, uh, even the pants and the and the whole thing, if if you slapped Griffins on there instead of Wildcats, I wouldn't I wouldn't have blinked an eye. Yeah. So that's yeah. actually kind of sweet. I like that. And and the Dragons, the Seattle Dragons in uh, – sorry, the – is it Seattle Dragons? No. Yes, my adopted XFL team. Yeah, yeah. So the Seattle Dragons, though, I like that. The, like It's like a dark blue, like a navy blue. It's not bad. I actually think it's all right. The uh, the Gladiators, though, look vaguely, uh, you know, um, red-blackish, which is hilarious. Yes, they do. But I will say, like, for me personally, just from an alma mater standpoint, I like that L.A. Wildcats. Even though the logo is so generic, I like the jersey. The jersey with the color scheme actually looks pretty good. All yeah. the all the jerseys uh, for anybody looking at the shop are all number 20 for the year 2020 when the league starts, blah, blah, blah. We'll see if it has staying power. I, I know that Vince has enough pockets to be able to hold it in there for a season or two. We'll see if his patience holds out beyond that point. I still think there is a world in which spring football can work. I just don't trust Vince McMahon. Like, I, I have no reason to trust this man. But I'll get a little swag in there because, quite frankly, some of this stuff will be entertaining. And if nothing else, it'll be a good conversation piece if nothing comes of it. It'll be kind of an interesting footnote. And I wouldn't mind picking up a couple of mini helmets for some of these teams as well. Yeah. And you also enjoy whatever football you can get. Yeah, no, listen, I, I love me some football, and I have no issue seeing some football in the spring. I would be thrilled. I would love for them to do well, because then at least we'll get spring football. That would be all right. I'd be cool with that, you know? Roger. Yeah, so that's just my opinion as far as that piece is concerned. So those are kind of little, little side conversations and side thoughts we have. Any other things uh, you want to throw in there? Well, I would like to continue with a uh, cross-country, pretentious cross-country running report, if you will. Oh, my God. All right, pretentious cross-country running report with Dame Turnbull. Do it. CONCACAF. Oh, everyone hit your bingo. Hit your bingo cards. We got the CONCACAF. What do you got? Well, my thing here is, so it's it's weird. In order for Canada to have the best chance to qualify for the 2022 World Cup, they have to be when they when they make the group. So I think it's in June of 2020. Or so, yeah. 
they have to be in ranked in the top six of CONCACAF. And I believe right now they are seventh. And the thing was, in October, there was all this hype because Canada beat the United States 2-0 at home in Toronto. And it was like, oh, the United States is on their way down. They're really getting bad. Canada's really on the rise up. And then they played again in November in Orlando, and the United States won 4-0. Or 4-1. I think it was 4-1. And now Canada's ranked outside the top six again. And it's like, just when you think there's hope, there isn't. Welcome to being a fan of Canadian soccer. I am moved by your words. As a not fan of Canadian soccer, I am not moved by your words. Hey, there's always room on the bandwagon, Carlos. Um, if there's one thing I care less about than soccer, it's international soccer. It's, you know, countries playing soccer. It It's one of those things where, like, I... I get it, but I think, I think jokes aside, I've I've enjoyed making fun of pretentious cross country running to no end. The fact that it is coined pretentious cross country running, which was mine, uh, you know, trademark patent pending. The the reality is though that to me there's there's almost too much. Um, this actually plays off though. Uh, I'm not doing a tangent. I'm actually being serious. This does play off a little bit into the that whole proposal that I think we talked about in one of the. Uh, the forgotten episodes that will never see the light of day. The concept about the NBA trying to look at those midseason tournaments and all that and borrowing aspects and elements of like, you know, soccer and international soccer. But it's one of those things where like it almost feels there. I think soccer almost has too many leagues and too many different things. It's, at a certain point, it's like, look, I don't care how much of a fan you are. How many things can you follow? How many leagues, how many things simultaneously are going on at the same time? Because if you're real hardcore, if you're serious, We'll use hockey as an analogy because we're in Canada. But you can follow the Canadian Hockey League. You can follow the American Hockey League. You can follow the NHL. You can follow the KHL. You can follow the Swedish Elite League. You can follow the, I'm sure there's a, well, the KHL is the Russian League, I was going to say. Um, there is a Finnish League, I know. There, like, there's a bunch. And they're professional hockey. <laughs> it's, it's not a dissimilar concept. And at a certain point, it's like, oh, my God, there's not enough hours in the day to follow those many leagues and those many players and that much stuff. I, I think almost as a certain, at a certain point, it's like, look, I only have enough, a certain amount of bandwidth as a fan to be able to follow and give a crap. And, and soccer has far, far, far surpassed. Even if I did care about the sport has far surpassed my capability to give a crap. There's too many leagues. Picks. Yeah, no, at a certain point, I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, but I think maybe one, maybe you'd feel different if it was football. Although I don't hear you talking about the Mexican football league very much, and that is a disappointment, Carlos. I feel you need to get into Mexican football, not football, football as in you know the NFL, CFL, XFL, much more. Listen, if I was going to give proper coverage before I get to the Mexican football league, I would have given much more coverage to the Arena Football League in its many iterations, or the Indoor Football League, which was previously the Arena Football League, sort of, maybe one version because then they closed and then they opened another one, and then I think the current one is now dead again because it's the Indoor Football League. Are you with me? No, you lost me. I lost myself, even though I said it. That's how confusing it is, is what I'm trying to say. No, it, I think fair enough. But with all I think that said, people, I, with all that know, said, bring back the Toronto fans. What teams you're going to follow, or what leagues you're going to follow, and you just go from there. You know, I'll be honest and be one of the first people to say that, like, I'm a fan of TFC. I follow TFC, but I don't follow much MLS outside of TFC. I follow a bit here and there, 
But it's rare that I would ever watch an MLS game that TFC wasn't playing in. Or at the very least didn't have implications for TFC's season. This is maybe not a question for today. Although it could be. It could be kind of a side conversation. Is there a certain point? Because this this is a real concept. It's something uh, that we haven't discussed before, but it's a real thing. Is there a real limit to sports fandom bandwidth? Is there a certain point where it's like, yeah, I... I want to watch this stuff, but I've run out of gas. I can't I can't do it, even as much as I'd like to. You know, I'll use myself as an example. I'm a very passionate baseball fan, but Major League Baseball turns me off at times. And we've and I've had this discussion with Dave off the podcast before. I still love baseball passionately. Dave knows that I love baseball. But I love baseball, the game of baseball. Major League Baseball, sometimes I can take or leave. In the playoffs, I get back into it full, full speed ahead. But during the regular season, I struggle at times. There was a there was a stretch of time in my life where I went to 5, 10, 15, 20 Jays games a year for decades. I've been to hundreds of Blue Jay games. Hundreds. The last couple of years, literally the last two or three years, I think I've been to like two games in like the last three years. Which for me is unheard of. That, that breaks like a stretch of time where I went to a ton of games. And part of it is just frustration with the product because I, I'm not even talking about the team playing well or playing badly. What I'm actually talking about is the sport itself is painful to watch live. I'm sitting there doing my thing, but at the same time, what's actually happening is I'm sitting there watching a commercial break. And as a, a person who paid a t- money for a ticket, I don't want to watch a commercial break. And then when I'm watching it on TV, fine, I'll watch it on TV. But as soon as the commercial hits, then I do this. I start playing with my phone. I start looking at Instagram or YouTube or Twitter or whatever because I'm not watching these commercials. The product that I'm being presented with is not great. But by contrast to all of that, we go watch the we go watch the team in Buffalo. We go watch the wow. Bisons. That is phenomenal. And it's quite fun. That is phenomenal. It's a great stadium. It's a great environment. The ticket price is fair. And I get to watch some baseball. That's all I want. And we've been to a game where we've watched inter-county baseball. This is semi-professional baseball in Canada. And you know what? That's fun. I like watching it. Well, that's only fun because they have uh, tire races. But that's no, that is fun because I love baseball. The tire races are where we have fun because Ogs actually beat you at a th- an athletic endeavor. For God's sake, no one loses to Ogilvy in an athletic endeavor. In my defense, and will always be my defense, I was wearing flip-flops. You, you, your defense could be I had malaria and I just came off of, you know, a chronic, you know, uh, nerve condition. And I was previously in a hospital in a coma for six months. And I still think you probably should have been closer. Hey, man, the people out there know the people out there know. Do we have to go back to the footage? Hey, maybe maybe you should post it on the YouTube channel. Oh, the YouTube <laughs> That that video is on YouTube. I assure you. It, it's I know it way. is, but I'm saying it's it's not on the unnecessary nonsense YouTube channel, and uh, it could be. You're at you're asking for uh, for a thing. We we can make this happen for you. We can reinvent the tire race because I think if we go to Oggs's Twitter, I think he is still the winner of the tire race on Twitter. That is, I believe, As he should in his be. bio. As he should be. I think it's a fair thing. No, that's fair. The, but the thing is, there is a certain point. Uh, jokes aside, there is a certain point of saturation because. So I follow baseball. And I follow my football team and I'll watch and I'll watch a little bit of hockey. Hockey I struggle with as well. Not because so much, not for the same reason. Hockey I struggle with just because I I find it difficult to identify with my team. 
I think that's that's a different struggle, like a different conversation. Sometimes you can follow a team for a long time and it just gets hard after a while. You're like, what am I supposed to get excited about here? I'm watching this team and I'm watching, you know, my franchise player and he, and he's not playing as well as he used to be able to. And there's good, there's talent, but there's not a lot of optimism. And that slowly drains on you. And that's like a lengthier conversation. But the thing is, these little things happen. But then at a certain point, you keep going like, all right, we got the XFL coming up. We got that happening. And it's like, my God, there's so much stuff. We almost have so many options that it's like you can follow a lot of things, but it's hard to passionately follow a lot of things. And there's almost something lost in that because there was a point where I was very much baseball, baseball, baseball. And when that was the case, it was so much easier to get into the game. That means I knew who everybody was. It means I, I could follow in depth. I knew who the, the backup catcher on like some random team in the American League was. That's the kind of depth that I no longer have. I simply don't have it. I can't follow it and then mm-hmm. have enough bandwidth to follow these other things. Yeah. And something's almost lost with that. It's kind of a shame because I, I did enjoy the time where I felt like I really understood it better. And I just don't have that. Even as much as I listen to, even as much as I read, even as much as I try to follow, there's just not enough hours in the day. And that's kind of a shame. Yeah, I think, I think you know, it just depends on, one, where you are in life, but two, how many sports you want to follow. I think there is a saturation point because I'll tell you this. I would at least usually pay cursory attention to the NHL. You know, I'm not a hockey fan, but I usually kind of know where people are in the standings and I follow all the Canadians or if not the Canadians, whatever team Pikachu is playing for. Uh, but, you know, since the Raptors won the championship, as we had talked about on a previous podcast, reawakening my love of basketball, I've been watching a lot more NBA this year and following the NBA a lot more closely. And you know what? I couldn't tell you anything, hardly anything about the NHL. You know, I know the Canadians have been on a losing streak. I know P.K. Subban's playing in New Jersey. And I know the Leafs fired the coach. And that's about all I can give you. I think what's great about that, though, in, in kind of a funny way is you. you uh, so would you say, though, outside of the Raptors, are you watching a bunch of like the other basketball games? Because there is if a, it's on. A yes. There is actually you know, a lot. So- of, I would say there's a lot available because I find for us on uh, TSN. Now, it was funny. I don't remember what game was it that I was so frustrated with. I actually switched to the Clippers game. Uh, do, do you remember the, which one it was? It was the uh, Green Bay. It was a Green Bay. It was Packer Night Football on a Sunday night. Yeah, was it? Was it when they were playing San Francisco? The yes, it was. it was. Yeah, it was when the Packers were playing San Francisco and they were getting demolished. And I was so mad. I went to go watch the Clipper game, which Dave knows is like the ultimate sign of. I I will sit there and I will watch as much as I've referenced it as like a traumatic experience when the Packers lost that NFC Championship game to Seattle, and this is not an exaggeration, I literally banged my head against my coffee table out of frustration and anger with the stupidity that was on display in that game. But I watched that game to the bitter end. I will watch my team get destroyed to the bitter end. I watched them get destroyed by Colin Kaepernick back when he was an NFL quarterback. I watched them lose to that in the playoffs. I watched them get destroy i watched them give up 50 points to the cardinals in overtime in the playoffs i have watched one horrific packer defeat after another in the playoffs watched one after another and watched it to the bitter end and watching them get destroyed by the san francisco 49ers this year in a regular season game was a bridge too far and led me to watch nba regular season basketball which i do not do <laughs> that's how you know you're in trouble yeah like i was just so mad it was, it was just it was just funny. Now, mind you, the, the the Clipper game was fine. 
Like it was a blowout though, let's be honest with you. Um, I did watch, um, and we can talk about this for a second. Did you get a chance to catch any highlights of that game where Houston uh where Houston technically got screwed out of a dunk from James Harden and then lost in double overtime to the Spurs? That was no, like I heard week. about it, but I was I have not seen it. I did. And watch. just as an as a sidebar, my multi my hashtag multi screen life right now includes this podcast and the Clipper game. Hey, listen, gotta do it. Are the Clippers playing the Raptors? Who are they playing? They're playing the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, that's actually not a bad matchup. Is Kawhi Leonard actually playing? You know what? I couldn't tell you right now, but I can tell you that the Bucks are winning. And it's in the second quarter. Fair enough, but we need a status update if Kawhi is playing or if there's load management happening. Because Giannis and Kawhi is a good matchup. That'd be, that'd be I will I will get you that update before the podcast is done. This is this is very important. I, I need I need this information. So anyway, uh, no bottom line. Uh, long story short, I did actually watch that Houston. I I was I was watching something else and then I tuned into the Houston uh, Spurs game late. I caught it in the fourth quarter. Now here's the thing. I actually caught it, and my timing was beautiful. I, I was actually shocked at how well this worked out. I got there before. Yes, Kawhi Leonard's playing. Oh, good. That's good, because that, that's actually a compelling matchup. That's interesting. And so is Paul George. Sweet. What what channel is that on? Uh, TSN. Oh, okay, so it's on like, TSN. On one. Fair enough. I might throw it on here after. Uh, after. But I got the 12, Pac-12 championship going on, and uh, by the way, Oregon is winning, is beating Utah 10 to nothing. Dun, dun, dun. National championship implications. Anyway, so um, Utah is ranked number five. So it is kind of important that they probably win this game. They probably should if they intend to actually make it into the playoff. You know, they're just on that fringe. You never know. But with all that said, I actually caught that game. And as I was watching that game, I watched Houston slowly. The, the lead started to slowly fade away. And then James Harden actually had that. Um, had that dunk that was uh, called off. It was a weird sequence, though. Like, the dunk was obviously two points, and then it became this whole debate, and then the whole thing was going on with Mike D'Antoni and the referees, and it just didn't lead to anything. And in the end, it didn't count. And then Houston proceeded to absolutely torch themselves. They just couldn't get back into any kind of a rhythm. And then San Antonio got themselves back into the game, got into overtime. Houston had a chance to win there, too. They uh, hung in there, hung in there, hung in there. And finally, San Antonio won that game, which leads kind of to an interesting thing where while I haven't been watching a ton of NBA, I do know that James Harden is killing it as far as uh, scoring this year. Like he is he's putting together a historic type season. But with all that said, it's I still don't trust Houston. You know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden are not. It's one of those things where like and this year it feels wide open. Like, the Lakers are playing phenomenally well. The Clippers, on paper, have a lot of great talent. But I don't see a reason why Houston couldn't be up there. Uh, but they have to be a lot more consistent. And they can't just lose because they get distracted by something stupid. Yeah. So it's one of those things, as, as vaunted NBA analyst as I am, as you well know, I can tell you, just by the eye test, that that team can't, is struggling to stay focused. And it's really dumb. It's actually kind of hilarious. Yeah, no, Houston is one of those teams where, you know, every year they, they should be a lot better than they are, and they just aren't. But they're just so talented. It's stupid how talented they are, and they should be better. It's weird. Anyway. Yeah, it's a, it's a roster that has championship-caliber talent. Yeah, at this point, they really should be better, and it's one of those things where, now, mind you, when you get to the playoffs, anything can happen, but 
I don't know if the mental fortitude of that team is. It's not talent. It's mental fortitude. I don't know if it's there. And Oregon just scored to make it 16 nothing. Mm-hmm. And the Ducks going to be doing more push-ups. <laughs> tisk, tisk, tisk. Anyway, that's all my little bit of NBA talk. All right. You want to get to the main topic or you got anything else you want to throw out there? No, I'm good for the main topic. All righty. Main topic it is. We're going to talk about when it is a good idea to fire coaches. Answer when they suck. And thank you for listening. Yeah. I just thought I would throw that in there. But uh, no, we'll elaborate further. We'll elaborate further. There is a philosophical argument to be made. Uh, I think the examples you use, so you got Arsenal, which I don't care about, and then you got the Dallas Cowboys, which is far more entertaining. So let's let's start off with the well, Cowboys. Can I, can Go I, ahead. And I, I would like to like, make a brief sidebar here. There's a specific reason that I, I put the Dallas Cowboys on the list. And it's not because they are currently thinking about firing their head coach. Or, spoiler alert, they may have fired their head coach by the time this goes to air. But it's because that conversation has been happening with the, about the Dallas Cowboys pretty much since Jason Garrett got hired. Every year, there's been the, oh, we should fire him, and then he doesn't get fired. Or, oh, we think we're gonna, he's going to get fired this year. And Jerry Jones doesn't, it keeps not firing him. And so, I, you know, I'm not convinced that he actually will get fired this year, even though he probably should based on, you know, how coaches are hired and fired in the NFL. Almost 0% chance. Like, the thing is, for better or worse, I genuinely think that Jerry Jones has basically cast his lot with that already. If he had wanted to fire him, there were there have been ample opportunities after they got destroyed uh, by New England, after they got beaten up by Buffalo, for God's sake. And Buffalo is 9-3. Ladies and gentlemen, let me repeat this. The Buffalo Bills, the Bills of Buffalo, the team that we have watched sucked for decades, are 9-3. There is a world, there is an alternate dimension in which the Buffalo Bills could win another game here, the Patriots could lose a game here, and Buffalo and the Patriots are, would be in a virtual deadlock. There is a universe in which Buffalo could actually win that division, and the Patriots could become a wild card. They could be behind the Buffalo Bills. Let me repeat, they could be behind the Buffalo Bills. Don't panic, but prepare to panic. No, and that's something actually I wish would happen, but... That would be hysterically funny. You know, I'm not holding my breath. That's a world I want to live in, panic or not. That's a world I want to live in because it would just be funny as hell. But I think one of the other things I think that's interesting about coaching and and the decision-making, so I'll give you a couple examples and why this came to my mind from the world of pretentious cross-country running. And the first example I want to give you is Manchester United, who's had issues since their coach of 26 years, Alex Ferguson, retired. And things have, you know, have not met with the same success. And that's for a variety of reasons, not all of which have to do with coaching. But what happened last year, or last season, was they had Jose Mourinho, who's a world-renowned coach and who's coached multitude of soccer teams in Europe was their coach. They weren't doing well and he got fired. And they put in older Gunnar Solskjaer, who is a former player of Manchester United. He's Norwegian. And I say that just because of the name, so people know if they don't know the team. And he got off like gangbusters. I think they won something like eight in a row, something like that. And people were like, wow, this guy's he's amazing. And they gave him the full-time job. And now Manchester United is, you know, sucking again. 
you know, and it, and it was one of those, he did really well. It was almost like he did really well. They gave him the full-time job and then he just kind of went over a cliff. Right. So is this the scene from, uh, from major league? I don't know if you remember where the groundskeeper's like, Oh no, we suck again. Yes. Pretty much. I just thought I would bring that in because I really love that movie. It's a it great movie. Happy. And, and, and the other example is Arsenal, which I, I put on our, our plan for the thing because I'm a fan of Arsenal and Arsenal again had a coach. The difference with Arsenal is they'd had a long time coach, but they weren't doing, they were being, they were in the upper echelon of teams, but they weren't really competing for, to win anything. You know, they were going to finish in the top five every year, mostly the top four, but usually they'd be fourth, occasionally third. If you're lucky, they might get to, to second, but they were never really challenging for a championship. Now, so, hey, help me out here. Uh, uh, this is where you can fill in the gap in my ignorance. So is it a case of which league does Arsenal play in? The Premier League? Both Manchester United and Arsenal are in the English Premier League. Okay, the Premier League. Now, is this a case where if you have the best record, you win? Or do you play in a playoff? What happens? So speaking of games and conditions, so for that league, yes, there's basically within like domestic English football, there are three trophies. So if you get the most points, you win, which is the biggest one in the in the domestic trophy, you win the league. There's no playoffs, and then they have two cup tournaments within the season. That's kind of what I thought, actually. That that was the reason why I was asking because I was pretty sure that's the reason why the discussion was happening with that proposed whole NBA idea. They were trying to create this thing. But like I said, I thought in soccer that it wasn't a playoff. I thought it was like you play, and then if you have, like, I guess the most points, then you just win. There you go. You won. Any way you look at it, Carlos, you play to win the game. Hey, listen. That team is, I think, 6-5. and So they technically won more than they lost. And they have vaunted coordinator of some ilk of variety marvin lewis yeah cringe glad you're a fan and not me anyway so we get back on track with arsenal so arsenal uh you know went they fired this guy and then they got a new guy and again did quite well off the the bounce but then kind of slowly 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 was fading away he got fired two games ago they brought in an a former player who's within the academy system as an interim coach. And he has proceeded to tie his first game and lose the second game to vastly inferior opposition. One of which teams is currently in the relegation zone, meaning they could be out of the league and in a lower league next year. So it's kind of like, you know, I think it was the right decision to fire the coach based on the way they're going. But at the same time, if that's what's going to happen once you fire your coach, where you're either maybe going to get a little bit worse or nothing's going to change, what's the point? Okay, can I interject here and uh, get to the actual question you were asking earlier based on what you just said about whether it's a good idea to fire coaches? Yes, sir. Okay, so let's use your example here. For me, you fire a coach, number one, if they're so incompetent that they're actually costing the team games. If they're so bad at their job that... So why does Andy Reid still have a job? Because Andy Reid actually wins football games in the regular season. It's in the playoffs where he sucks. 
And it's and it's not even that he sucks generally coaching football. It's that he sucks at certain specific things. I actually could make Andy Reid the greatest coach of all time if I did nothing more than hire someone whose only job it is to control timeouts. And another person whose job it is to understand when to insert certain plays. Andy Reid is offensively a genius. He actually has a great mind for offensive football. But it's one of those things where uh, Andy Reid would be one of the greatest coaches in the history of the NFL if he could get out of his own way in in clock management because he sucks at it and in understanding when to shift between aggression and conservatism. He just can't like understand when to do it. But if I allow him to just draw plays, he's genius. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Like it's one of those things where like he's so good. He would be like the greatest offensive coordinator in the world if his job was basically to put it in a nutshell. If the man went to um, let me think of what would be a good example here. OK, you know what? As much whining and complaining as Tom Brady's doing about it and as much as I love making fun of him, if Tom, if. Andy Reid was the offensive coordinator in New England, they would actually be unbeatable. There would be genuinely nothing that anyone could do to stop them because he could take the garbage that uh, Tom Brady has to throw to and he could still make it work because he'd come up with something. Such is his offensive brilliance. But the thing is, as a head coach, you're supposed to be kind of a jack-of-all-trades a little bit. The fact that he's so brilliant offensively is great, but then there's a time and a place. And to be blunt, let's be fair, there's been a little bit of luck involved because in last year's playoff, Kansas City could very well have won that game if D4 hadn't been offside. Like it was just a bad, you know, a bad decision and a poor execution from one player, a bad penalty at the wrong time. At the worst possible time. Yeah, at the worst possible time. The reality is there is no reason. There is there is a universe, an alternate dimension out there where Kansas City wins that game. And if Kansas City wins that game, let me be blunt. L.A. was so bad, Kansas City wins the Super Bowl. Andy Reid has a Super Bowl ring right now. Mm-hmm. As much as a lot of other teams, Andy Reid should be lowing like, we fucked up. We missed the Super Bowl here. We had it. It's the same thing that the New Orleans Saints should be thinking from last year. Like, we had it. The opportunity was there. It was for the taking. Both of those Can you not remind me about New Orleans in the playoffs the last couple of years, please, Carlos? We have to because they're, because they're going to have another chance this year to screw up something else. The point is that there are teams in the last decade who have had a bunch of opportunities, and they're going to be kicking themselves when this decade is over because last year, both Super Bowl teams sucked. Both Super Bowl teams were terrible, and it was a bad game. Like, everything about it was terrible. We, well, that we, was a, the Super Bowl we boycotted. Yeah. But it would have been better, like watching the consolation. Like, imagine for a second. If I forget about the forget about the Patriots, forget about the Rams. What do you think? You, let's put it this way: the the Super Bowl actually drew lower ratings than normal. What do you think it would have looked like if I had said, you know what? I'm going to let you two play for the Super Bowl. We're not going to televise it. I'm going to televise the consolation game between Kansas City and New Orleans. Let's bear that. That would have been a good game. And it would have gotten a higher rating, I'm sure. Yeah, like it would have actually been fun to watch. It would have been two teams that I could actually play. But it is what it is. The thing is that we're, and I've said it a million times, I feel like, but let me repeat myself one more time, just to be clear. The New England Patriots are not great. What they are is very good, and what they are is consistent. Magic word, consistency. 
where the New England Patriots stand head and shoulders above a bunch of these other teams, and this is where that Andy Reid thing comes into play, is they don't make the dumb, critical mistake more often than not. They will not beat themselves. You will have to beat them. And if you beat them, you win. Because they're not so good that they can't be beaten. Yes, they can. But the thing is, you have to beat them. They will not do it for you. They will not help you. They will not make it easier for you. If you execute, you will win. If you're better, if you have more talent and you execute, you will crush them. But that's the problem. Plenty of talented teams screw up. Like, they they make the critical mistake. But it is true that, you know, coaches that happen to coach talented teams, for the most part, tend to stick around longer than coaches who coach untalented teams or not talented teams. I mean... In another case, look at the look at the New York Knicks. Insert laughter here. They just fired their coach, and they were four and I think they're four and thirteen or something like that. Maybe worse. I mean, it's four wins. I don't know how many losses, but it's it's double digits, somewhere between ten and twenty. And they just fired their their head coach. And this is one of the things where, you know what, they're crap. Should they be a little bit better than four and whatever? Probably no. But, <laughs> no, they well, should but, not be. But, but they're not going to be a playoff team. They're never going to be a playoff team this year. And that's not the coach's fault. It's the way the roster has been put together by the GM and the idiot owner. That that's that right there is – so real quick. So let, let's, let's contrast this with the Cowboys situation. Let's contrast this example with the Cowboys situation because that's one of the other examples that brought about this whole conversation. Let's, let's just break it down. The reality is the New York Knicks are a disaster in terms of their composition. It's a bad design. It's, it's no one – can win with that team as currently situated and composed. They're just not good. And then they sold themselves on this idea that they were. So expectations were out of whack with reality. So it's, so um, I think it's Fisdale who was the uh, coach who was fired from uh, yeah. the Knicks, right? So the thing is, Fisdale's dead man walking, and he knows it, and, he's, and there's nothing he can do because there's nothing you can do to make that team vaguely competent because it's terrible. And it's poorly composed. So as the coach, you're, that has to be the most frustrating feeling in the entire world to know that there is nothing I can do to fix this. It's not like I'm not trying. But at the same time, and it's not like the players aren't trying. It's just they're not – it isn't a good team. There's nothing you can do. The Cowboys situation is funny because on paper, the Cowboys are extremely talented. I laugh hysterically. I laugh maniacally as, an, as a fan of an NFC team. The Packers are so under-talented. Like, Aaron Rodgers has fallen off compared to what he was. They're putting these games together with duct tape and chewed bubblegum. The defense is overrated. It's opportunistic. It's athletic, but it's not good. The offense is actually junk. The running game is the only thing they sort of have going, but it comes and goes. The Valdez-Scantling can't catch a goddamn ball or get open. It's basically Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers when they can connect a couple of the tight ends, and then cross your fingers and hope for the best. That is the team. And it's gotten you to 9-3 and three so it's far. It's gotten to 9-3. and three. But that that's a testament to, you know, yeah, they don't have quite the talent that you'd love to see. Now, contrast that to the Cowboys, okay? Let's contrast that to the Cowboys for a second. I don't like Dak Prescott. I don't think much of him. But he's competent. He's a good quarterback in, in stretches. He's got certain things, but he needs certain things to be effective. And he needs a uh, play call to be set up to work with what he can do. With all that said, he's got Ezekiel Elliott, who is underperforming. But let's be blunt, he's still a top five running back in terms of uh, overall production. 
Well, for a lot of the stretch in the Packers, like the running game was sucked. Well, mm-hmm. Ezekiel Elliott won two rushing titles in the last couple of years. Like, I would love to have had a running back of that caliber. I would love to have Amon Green back. Can I have back Amon Green? Because I would love to have a running back of that caliber. Now, mind you, the running game is okay now. But the problem with the um, the Packers for many years was that the defense was junk. The offense was good, but the defense was terrible. Or the, uh, the offensive line couldn't keep Aaron Rodgers healthy. Like, there was always something wrong. The Cowboys on paper should have all the components required to be competent. And yet, they're 6-7. and seven. And yet, that division is so bad that they're still in it. The Eagles are still in it. The Washington Redskins are theoretically still in it. And I'm hoping the Packers put them out of their misery in coming up in this week. But I can't promise that. I don't know. I don't. I could see a world where the Washington Redskins randomly decide to beat the Packers, and the Packers go to nine and four. But the Redskins go to like four and seven, and they could technically win out and win the division, in a world where both the Eagles and the Cowboys lose out, which they could do because they suck. Which would be insane. But the the point is like, God, that division's terrible. <laughs> that that division's heinously bad. It's it's ridiculous. Welcome to the NFL where we know nothing. And if the Washington does win that division, that would be glorious. They should just blow up the NFC East. That would be glorious. They should relegate the entire division. It's, they should. It's just so they bad. They can go play in Mexico. <laughs> bring bring on Mex- bring on the Mexican teams. I, I would love that to be a division. Just just the Mexican, just bring in like four or five teams from Mexico. Done. You know, or or your your new NFC East division championship, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I actually didn't know there was a Mexican football league. Is that a real thing? Oh yeah, man. Should, should we like randomly pick team? Are any of them named the Aztecs? Some kind of partnership with the CFL. Are any of them named the Aztecs? I feel like that's a thing that should happen. Are any of them what? Sorry. Are any of them named the Aztecs? Probably. Like I mean, let's be real. Like I would be offended if one of them was not randomly named that. Okay, so this is Liga MX. Is that what it's called? No. No? Liga MX is the soccer. Oh, okay. Mexican Football League system. Okay, so I guess American Football League. I'm just doing the old Google machine here, firing it up. Ah, Liga de Football Americano Profesional. That LFA? would probably be it, yeah. LFA? Yep. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> There's a page for it on Sportsnet? Yes. I love it. So good. Amazing. They have nine teams. Yeah, I got that. They have the Mayas. Is that is that good enough? I'm they try- do not have they do not have an Aztecs team, but they do have a Mayas team. How do you not have an Aztecs team? That's like the minimum requirement. What the heck? You have Dinos. What? Or Dinos. I'm not I'm not I'm pretty sure it's Dinos. You should but... root for the Raptors. Fundidores. Raptors. Like actually that's a name. Mexicas? Come on, man. That's just lazy. Mexicas, come on, dude. Pien, uh, Pioneros, Arturios, Condors, Mayas, Mexicas. That's actually the name of the team. I know. You're and reading the same also, Wikipedia page I am. I I, I can see it. Dude. But, but seriously, man. Anyway, I'm just saying, for another day, another you know, another time, you need to get into that league. No, I don't. Like, if you don't even have the Aztecs, I'm, like, offended. I'm like personally offended. But you speak Spanish, so you could watch the games and understand them. I I can, but like, 
like maybe maybe we'll look into it at 2020 because the pioneers are going to start in 2020 so we got that going for us man this team good lord i, I would oh. still take a couple of these teams over the friggin' nfc east i would still do well it. yeah and i mean that's a that's a place where you could say you know what i think you could get away with firing every coach in the nfc east and just randomly year. hiring teams from mexico <laughs> Yes. Why not? Yes. Anyway, so the cowboy thing is that it's the cowboys thing is weird because everybody knows that Jason Garrett is a lame duck coach. Like he's dead in the water. We know this. Uh, but I this, don't know if he is though. I'm not convinced he is dead in the water. No, he's dead in the water after the season. This season, nothing. No, happened. I'm still not convinced he's dead in the water. You're, after you're not convinced he's going. He's not going to get fired at the end of this season. Correct. I I think there is a outside chance that he is the co- head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. In the 2020-2021 season. So, Dave, I think now is a good time to have a little history lesson. And, and you know this history, but I'm going to, re- I'm going to s- repeat it anyway. You know that Dallas is where they assassinated Kennedy, right? Correct. So they're not, like, opposed to, like, assassinating a public figure or a high-ranking person. Look, I'm the just issue saying. The not I, Jason I, Garrett. The issue is Jerry Jones. I wasn't talking about Jason Garrett. My point is that they're not opposed to that. It's not like it's never happened before in Dallas, is what I'm trying to say. The man will get fired because if Jerry Jones knows what's good for him, the man will get fired. <laughs> you can give him a cake on the way out, but the man has had the man has had basically a decade to to produce something. And for God's sake, that team that team. Let's put it this way: outside of Dak Prescott, who I don't need. I would happily swap my entire franchise minus the quarterback for what Dallas has available, and then I'd take my chances with it because talent-wise, there's enough there. Oh, totally. Like, there's enough there. On both sides of the ball. Like, I would be like, yes, I would like Aaron Rodgers to throw to Ezekiel Elliott. Jason Witten's corpse. Yes, I will take that. You know why? Because at least he he can at least catch the goddamn football. And while I'd hate to lose Devontae Adams, yes, Amari Cooper can also catch the goddamn football. So if Aaron Rodgers can put the ball there, we're good to go. So I would happily take that. And, um, no, it's one of those things. Like, there's no excuse for being as bad as they are. And, like I said, I'm frightened of a world where we could be staring at the Bills being a 10-win team shortly. Like, it's it's crazy. The This, this year has been madness. The only thing that kind of sort of makes sense is Baltimore. That's really the only thing that has made any sense this year. Yeah, and I mean, you look at there's some other coaches like that, like Mike Tomlin, Sean Payton, obviously Bill Belichick, and um, John Harbaugh, who have been coaches of their respective franchises for a long time. Now, Bill Belichick has sustained success, and every year has pretty much been there. But somebody like Sean Payton, somebody like Andy Reid, you know, these are coaches who have sort of been up and down. Right, even Mike Tomlin uh, and Bill Cowher before him, you know, where there was one, two, maybe even three bad seasons in a row, but they never got fired. They kept going and and had returned to, you know, see better days. But the thing is, a bad season in Pittsburgh for most of that stretch was still a winning season. Like by most of franchise's standards, like they never really went in the tank. Like legitimately went in the tank. They didn't. For the most part, they've managed to maintain winning football. And this year is interesting because Mike Tomlin technically is, and and Bill Simmons has hit on this, so I'm not going to take credit for it. It is a statement that's been made repeatedly, and I think other people have made the statement too. Um, I feel like this is almost Mike Tomlin's best coaching job 
because oh, for sure. no Roethlisberger and Mason Rudolph sucks, and they're they were with uh, the duck guy. Like I don't remember his last name now, but he goes by the nickname Duck because he's a duck hunter in his in his spare time. Like for God's sake, you basically have a guy that you pulled off the street is what I'm trying to get at. Like you just yeah, have another well, dude randomly, and you know what? Good enough. We can win games that way. Why not? No, but I, but I think I think you can. You know, I think Sean Payton got away with a lot for a few years because Drew Brees was the quarterback. Yeah, so there was always hope that you know, and he had such a good relationship with Drew Brees, and still does. Right, but you look at somebody like that, and and this year where Drew Brees was gone for five games, and they went five and zero with Teddy Bridgewater, you know, I think that's where you can see that, you know, maybe this guy, if you didn't think so before, can actually coach. No, it's right? it's one of those and, things, and, like... and you know, you it takes moments like that for able to see it. Whereas, if you have the talent that a Dallas has on paper, and you can't put it together then, you know, you're going to have people calling for your head because the talent is better. I, I would imagine the same thing is the same way to a degree in Cleveland where the expectation coming into the season was sky high. Now, I think it was always too high from sort of where it was. But when you have, you know, a significant amount of playmakers on both sides of the ball, you should be doing better. However, as they always say, NFL is a quarterback-driven league. And Baker Mayfield is probably not the answer in Cleveland, although the jury is still out, but it's closer to making its final deliberation. Yeah, well, the thing is, um, so so talking about the Cleveland thing for a second, we'll get we'll get into it, and we've ended up in the we've ended up in the realm of NFL talk. So why not let's go with it? The thing is, the Baker Mayfield thing is interesting because the Freddie Kitchens deal, he got to he had almost no experience. He got to be an offensive coordinator. Baker Mayfield liked him, great. But you don't make the guy the head coach based on the strength of that. It's one of those deals where, like, why don't you let him have a second year as an offensive coordinator? Let him focus on that side of the football. Let the man have an opportunity to actually do the thing he's doing. It's kind of like the Andy Reid thing that I was just talking about earlier. I feel like Andy Reid would be the greatest offensive coordinator in the entire world for a multi-time Super Bowl winner by now if he had focused in on that area. Mm-hmm. He's not a terrible head coach, but it's one of those things where, like, a head coach is a different skill set than an offensive coordinator. I think Andy Reid is a world-class, top-tier offensive coordinator, one of the best in the world. Yeah. But, but as a head coach, he's he's good. He's good. But the problem is that last little stretch, as I said, the thing that separates the, Andy Reid from the Bill Belichicks and those guys is that they understand there's a time and a place. There's a spot. And... You know, the greatest example was in that Super Bowl where Seattle lost to the Patriots and they probably should have won. And I think it was almost entirely based on Pete Carroll just being outsmarted by Bill Belichick when the moment came. When the moment came, Pete Carroll blinked and did something stupid that everyone else would be like, why are you doing this? Whereas Bill Belichick... all the Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, but that's the thing. Like, yes, it's the expected move, but it's the expected move for a reason. There's a logic to it. There's a rationale. And the timing of this, the moment in the game, the timing of it, all of it says you can do this. And if it doesn't work, you still got another play. Well, and sometimes you just have to let your best players be your best players. Yeah, there's a, there's a time and a place where you can make this happen. And that's what separates the all time great coaches from the merely good coaches, because the merely good coaches might be able to win a Super Bowl if the time is right, if the place is right, if everything falls into place. Yeah. 
but where the Belichicks separated themselves is that he's consistently in contention. He always has a shot. And the fact that they have a shot means that they're going to win a couple. If you keep trying, you're going to win a couple. And in their in the Patriots' case, they've won enough coin tosses where it's worked out predominantly in their favor. It mm-hmm. could very easily have been five and four, four and five, anything like that or less. But they won enough coin tosses. It worked out for them. And these other coaches are not doing that. Jason Garrett is not in that caliber. He has he has a legitimately talented team that probably should be better, and it's just not going to work under his stewardship. This season is kind of a lost season for them. They may get lucky. They're probably going to win the division merely because it's so bad. But that's more a reflection on the Philadelphia Eagles being garbage than it is yes. on the than it is on the the Cowboys being good. I still hold an outside hope that Washington comes back and wins the whole thing though. Could you imagine if Dwayne Haskins leads his team to the playoffs? That'd be hilarious. It'd be hilarious. I would love it. That'd be glorious. Now, here's the thing, though. If if that, if you're in that stretch and that's what happens. So, then do you start Adrian Peterson or Darius Geis? Because now you have the two of them. Yeah. I, I, I mean, lots of permutations, man. Yeah. That'd be, that'd be kind of funny to see AP in the playoffs now at this stage in his career. It'd be kind of funny. Kind of, kind of interesting. That's fair. I think there. I think there's a lot of meat on that bone, and now we're heading into the home stretch. Like right now, it feels like we're reaching into that good part of the season where now each game gets a little bit more interesting because now we're closing in on sealing divisions, setting no, up playoff seedings. Sure. Like we're getting there. We're almost. Here's there. another question, though. When you look at you know the list of coaches who may or may not get fired, because they always you know make the list who's on the hot seat. How the hell is Matt Patricia? not closer to being fired if not already having been fired in Detroit like how does that guy you know not how is he not under threat or at least not sweating very much because of his potential job insecurity I mean Detroit sucks they suck like a lot well first of all Detroit always sucks a lot well this is fair that this is true I I did tell you when I trolled the Detroit Lions fans to their face in their stadium Well, I mean, it's easier when it's the truth. Yeah, yeah, but but the, it was in their stadium is, is the point I'm trying to make. Like, I was physically in Detroit doing this. It's like, I have so much confidence that I am so right that I am going to mock you to your face in your stadium, and there's not a goddamn thing your team can do about it. Then that's you got how, away with it. Yeah, that's how bad your team is. But, no, the thing is, um, I don't know, do... I'm not really sure that Matt Patricia isn't on the hot seat. I, maybe he's too stupid to know he's on the hot seat, but like, well, he may be on the hot seat, but in terms of, you know, the people who are mentioned as, you know, the ones they are always like, yeah, Matt Patricia maybe is, but probably shouldn't be. And it's like, wait, wait a minute. Wait, who who yeah, says probably should shouldn't be? be? Who says that? I don't know. Like NFL talking heads. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to turn I will have this discussion with you, but I need specifics on this. I need Sorry, to know. Man. I, I Sorry, need to. Co- I don't have the specifics for you right I now. I will call someone out. I don't care. I will go on a tirade and go like, "Are you stupid? This man sucks. This man is garbage, and this team sucks. And you know what? They would suck pretty much no matter who was here. However, their suck <laughs> is amplified by his exemplary suck." The point is the level of suck. It's suck squared. It's more suck than it was even acceptable under regular Detroit conditions. Do you understand what I'm trying to say? Yes, and that is a fact. Yeah, like it's it's too much, man. It's too much. And here's the thing. As much as I enjoy teasing the Detroit Lions fans, and it's fun, it really is genuinely enjoyable. 
they do deserve better. Like it's not like they haven't suffered for a long. Whatever horrible thing they've done, their penance must be paid by now. The ruins of Detroit, like, have been burning for a long time. Cut them a freaking break. Just one. But you need to get rid of that. You need to get rid of that head coach. He's terrible. Like you need to start there. Get rid of that guy. Find somebody competent and start there and go from there. there. You go. And then go from there. There you go. So that's fair. All right. Anything else there? No, I think that's all I want. I think that's all I got. Cool. For the most part, as I said, uh, folks, this is kind of what I'm thinking as far as what the format will be going forward. Like, we're going to go off on some tangents. We're going to have some fun. We're going to do a couple of things. We'll talk about some different stuff. And I want to incorporate different elements of it. Before we go, though, I'm going to do a little shout out. Uh, One of the things that kind of inspired the little modification in the format, one of the things is that it helps that it's not as time sensitive. Like, we're not referencing as many things that are, like, happening right now. I'm not going to talk about what I'm looking forward to. I will mention that to you right now because, again, timing. Depending on when you check out this pod, uh, podcast, it may, may have already happened. There may be things, though, that warrant that, that are a little further down the road, and then we'll reference them as it comes along. We'll play it by ear, and I'll always say when, by the time you hear this podcast, it may have already happened, blah, blah, blah. We'll make reference to it so that you understand what we're doing with it. Because at the time we're recording, it hasn't happened yet. So for us, it's in the future. But for you, it might be in the past. With all that said, though, I do want to shout out a couple of things because I've been I've been falling down the rabbit hole I've always been a collector of sports memorabilia and sports cards, but I've fallen down the rabbit hole of a lot of the podcasts related to it. And I'll mention two really quickly here. One is the Essential Credentials podcast, which you can find on YouTube. You can check that out. It's mainly talking about like 90s baseball, which is uh, which is kind of a fun thing because I was around during the time that that came out. But it's kind of fun to go back and dig into it. And it's kind of inspired and reinvigorated aspects of my collecting. The other one, though, that's kind of interesting because I mentioned it to Dave. It's kind of a podcast thing, though, in general, is a podcast called House of Jordans. And that one is related still to sports cards, yes, but that one is focusing more on basketball. Here's the thing. I don't collect basketball. I don't really watch a ton of basketball. I watch a little bit here and there, but it's not my main thing. However, with that said, I love the angle they took on it, which is now if you do check out that podcast, what you're going to see and what might frighten you a little bit is the runtime on some of those episodes. There are episodes where they legitimately go over four hours. But the thing I like about it, to be honest with you, is that it really does feel like a free-flowing conversation, and it's a discussion. What they do, though, is they go into a deep dive into kind of the the economics and the and specifically the, the thought process that leads into the market. So they're really taking an analytical stance on it. And if you're interested in business, if you're interested in kind of the the world of collectibles and how those things relate, there is something in there for you. And if it's something that you were, if you have a background where you like basketball anyway, well, there you go. That's kind of a cool podcast. It's interesting. It's very different, but I don't think it's for one a person sitting in one sitting. And this is a conversation for another day, but it's something that I will mention to you. When I listen to podcasts, I'm not listening to them in regular time. Maybe this is something that's a little unusual to me. I don't know if this is the same for you, Dave. I listen to podcasts at one and a half times speed, 1.75 times speed, maybe even two times speed because I can understand every damn word. But that really speeds up, to be honest, a lot of the listening time because I I almost feel like if I listen to it in real time, it's almost happening in slow motion to me when I'm listening to a podcast. Do you ever play around? Yeah, I mean, I I do occasionally. I will do that. Depends on the podcast, too, and obviously who's talking. But for something like a four-hour podcast, you're damn right I'm not going to spend four hours of my life watching or listen to that. Ah, you got nothing better to do. But I will potentially spend two. Yeah, no, it's one of those things. Though. But the thing is, l- let's be clear. The podcast format lends itself to you don't have to do it in one sitting. 
I'm I, I work in an office. I sit down at my desk and I have to do work that's kind of tedious and repetitive. And when I have to do that, sitting there listening to a podcast is perfectly fine and perfectly acceptable. But I'm not going to turn it on at regular speed at four hours because, like I said, it does feel like slow motion to me. And that will torture me. And that goes for any podcast. I don't care if it's an hour. I don't care if it's four hours. I don't care if it's 35 minutes. If it's if the flow of the conversation is happening too slowly, I'm going to crank up the speed on that thing. That's just me. And I do the same thing with YouTube and I do the same thing with a lot of other things where I consume content. It almost feels painful to watch something regular speed. But that's just me. That's kind of the way that I approach it to each their own. With that said, um, do you have any shout outs or anything you want to throw in there? No, I'm good, man. All right. So, uh, I'm, I'm good. Although I will say, actually, I will. Go. Let me, let me phrase that. Um, I will say one of the things, I don't know if we talked about it on this podcast before, but I know we have talked about this part that I listened to the ESPN 30 for 30 podcast. And first of all, if you there's one they made on the Superdome, uh, okay. the most recent episode. I can't remember what the title of it is. It's like Blessed and Cursed or Cursed and Blessed or something like that is the title of the episode. Uh, check that out. Very interesting, especially if you're a fan in New Orleans, but also if you're a fan of just NFL and stadiums. And the other thing is they made a five-part series a while ago about Bikram Yoga and the founder of Bikram Yoga, Bikram Chowdhury. There's a Netflix documentary that tells the same story, but a little bit differently. I believe it's just called Bikram. Uh, that's also worth checking out if you if you definitely if you listen to that podcast, then that the documentary on Netflix is definitely worth checking out as well. We definitely showed some range there on those shoutouts. Bikram yoga, basketball cards, and yeah, and New Orleans and the background of New Orleans. That's a that's that's a fair. And just remember, range. it's not an endorsement of Bikram yoga because. You know, he's a alleged sexual predator, but it is an endorsement of that podcast and of the documentary. Wow, that qualifier really helped. That, that was that was that was that was key, Dave. I, I, I really just want to make sure I, 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 I'm glad you made special mention of that. That that that's really important. And I, and I for one, am moved and helped by by your additional statements. Um, I do what I can, Carl. I do what I can. Oh, and you do. And you do. All right. With that said, that's it for us. We've talked enough. As always, we do accept any feedback or comments. By all means, please hit us up with that. As I said, I'm going to try to do a little better job uh, updating a lot of the different social media outlets. Uh, keep in mind, this is kind of a side thing we do, so we'll do our best. We'll, do, we'll try to include that in there. But if you do want to check it out, you can check out this podcast on all formats where podcasts are seen, iTunes. Well, mind you, it's not iTunes anymore. I think it's just Apple Podcasts now. I think they've changed it. So po Apple Podcasts or iTunes, whatever it's called now, Spotify, Google Play, whatever other formats you've got in there, we're on a bunch of them. We've also on Instagram at Unnecessary Podcasts. We're going to try to get a little bit into, a little bit better about including information there. Uh, Twitter at Unnecessary underscore pod. And our site is UnnecessaryPod.podbean.com. Specifically on the last one, you can actually go to the site and download our, our latest episode if you don't want to do it in one of those other formats. So you can download it as an MP3 and take it with you and listen to it whenever it works for you. Play it at four times speed. See how fast we sound. It'll be great. With all that said, though, that's it for myself and Dave. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.